Hey guys, it's your commish, Matt Kozlowski, Denver Desert Dog. Um, starting the 2019 season of the Sons and Fantasy Football League podcast. Really looking forward to this year. Another great year. Another one in which I am defending my title. Um, this podcast is going to talk about some trades that happened in the league um, just the other night. And we're going to just talk a little bit about previewing keepers. Just an FYI, we're using a new platform to record our podcast this year, so look forward to being able to do some new fun things on the podcast, but uh, tonight joined by Phil Bruce, and we're just going to banter a little bit, embrace debate, as Phil would like to say, so give it a listen, and uh, thanks, as always, for being a part of the Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. Welcome to the Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. We are back for the 2019-2020 season. Um, I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski, the Denver Desert Dog, joining me tonight. Uh, the Seawolf himself, uh, my arch nemesis, but one of my favorite guys to podcast with, Phil Bruce. How are you doing tonight, Phil? I'm doing great. So, Thanks, guys. No, no longer division rival, of course. No, we'll take a two-year hiatus from that. Um, I figured, you know, with the arthritic knee of Todd Gurley, I would need to lighten my load a little bit for this two-year run until I can find the next great desert dog. Um, I think Todd's going to probably ride out into the sunset after this two-year window, so. so. Sunset assumes that he's going off on a high note. So maybe more of sinking like the Titanic. Well, it would be a more proper analogy. That that would depend how the seasons end here. If I'm ending up on top, regardless of what Todd does, he would be in the sunset. If you end up on top, it's not going to be because of Todd Gurley, which is fine. I, I, I can tell fine. you that. That's fine. I, I don't need him to win. Um, I would like him to be a part of it, but if he's not able to do so, we will we will move on. That's that's the NFL way. So, I think that's right. I I, I think that's right. I think if you win this year, it'll be because you have a good draft, and it's not going to be because of Gurley. Kamara is obviously a number one keeper for the entire league. Um, but if you have a good draft, you you've got as good of a shot as anybody. Well. I am keeping Gurley uh, pending any unforeseen circumstances due to a couple trades that happened yesterday. Um, we should probably talk about those first. That'd probably be a good place to start. I think the action yesterday is what kind of prompted us wanting to do this. Um, so the first trade of the offseason was me sending a $1 Aaron Jones to my second arch nemesis, take your ball and go home. Uh, for $15 draft cash, which I believe is the second biggest draft cash haul in an off-season trade, um, which the other one, Shane actually got the $25 for Le'Veon Bell by you. So, Yeah, it, it was um, – what, what, what I'll say about the trade is I think both sides, it, it, it worked out really well. Um. The timing of it, I thought, was a, a little questionable because we do have – I mean, w w when are keepers due again? Two weeks before the draft. So – Middle middle to end of August. Middle to end of August. I thought 
we've we've got a little bit of time here. I thought both trades were fair for for both sides, but premature in terms of your team. In terms of, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll get in the other one, but I just thought we had we had a little bit more time to decide, and you're kind of in a difficult position in that if we get more news about Gurley's limitations, Gurley's potential arthritis being worse than what we think it is at this very moment, you've kind of painted yourself in a corner in that you don't you don't have a choice now. It's Kamara and Gurley no no matter what moving forward, which is fine, but I also think you might have been able to hold on to him and extracted the same value for Aaron Jones two weeks from now, three weeks from now. Yes. Um, I didn't really think about that yesterday. I was, I've been locked into Kamar and Gurley for, you know, as soon as last season ended, those are the two guys I was going to keep. So it's never been a question for me, but, you know, looking back on the trade today, I definitely agree with the sense that if I get some bad Gurley news um, leading up to the season, this may not have been the best trade um, for me because Aaron Jones would have been a keeper now. You know, I don't know if I'm going to get any good girly news anyway. Um, I don't think we're going to really find out anything. He's not going to play in the preseason, same as he didn't play in the preseason last year. So I don't think we'll get many answers. Um, The only news we could get would be bad news. Um, And then I would probably regret. So, like I said, I don't think we're going to get anything as it is. So looking at it that way. You know, I was kind of going to do what I was going to do anyway. Um, that, that, that being said, when we talked and you said you were evaluating some $10 offers for him, I said, I think you can do better. I think you can do 15 You got 15 You got the offer you wanted. I thought you got a good offer. The, the, the timing of it is the only thing that I would question. But then again – that also gives you options. It, 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 it gives you options in terms of if you get a bad report on Gurley coming up, you now have the cash that you might not be able to get an Aaron Jones, but you can always double down and, and, and get somebody else that um, might be worth an RB flyer at least and throw Gurley back into the draft. Worst possible case scenario. Yeah. I mean, I still have Ebron for $5. He's obviously not going to do what he did last year, um, but there would be worse people to keep at five dollars. So, uh, uh, agreed. Can I ask you a question on Ebron? Because I feel like nobody is talking about Ebron this off season, and everybody thinks that his season last year was such an outlier. But he was he was an elite guy, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like he's not getting mentioned in the same breath of Kelsey, Ertz, Kittle. Like I feel like he he's fallen to the next tier, and I'm. What I mean, what, what's your perspective? Because I don't fully understand why he's not being in the same conversation as those guys. Well, the reason why is last year he was tight end four, um, only sixty six catches, seven fifty, the thirteen touchdowns. That's why he's not being talked about because, you know, people don't like to predict touchdowns, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, Kittle, Ertz, Kelsey, much higher um, production in terms of guaranteed 
targets, guaranteed yards, uh, focus on their team. And then the other two guys, well, two or three, I would say, that seem to have jumped Ebron would be Evan Engram. So Odell being out of town, obviously people mm-hmm. are looking at that as a big boost in Engram's production. Um, O.J. Howard is a part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offseason hype train due to Bruce Arians being there. And then Hunter Henry um, coming back. I think Hunter Henry's a guy that's probably being looked at as the number six tight end right now. Um, you know, he was super productive in, I'd say, limited role because he was kind of sharing tight end duties with Antonio Gates when we last saw Hunter Henry on the field. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he has the benefit of having gotten hurt so early in the year last season that we're not really worried about him being ready for week one. I think he actually was even ready to come back to the playoffs last year. So, um, you know, Phil Rivers is probably going to throw 30 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's probably a safe bet. And I think Hunter Henry's as good a bet to catch six to eight of them. So um, those six guys seem to have trumped Ebron. You know, Jack Doyle being there. Devin Funches gets added into Indianapolis. I don't love Funches, but he's probably a similar athlete to Ebron, so maybe he takes some red zone targets away. Yeah. Um, people obviously are expecting the Colts to be better, too, so maybe Mack gets a few touches more in the run game due to them being one of the dominant teams in the AFC. So I think there's a lot of factors in play, but the biggest one would be um, nobody's expecting Ebron to replicate the 13 touchdowns. Yeah. And, and that kind of goes to my point of, sure, he had a, a an outlier touchdown season, but the Colts are in a great position to be better than they were last year. And every indication is that their roster, their offensive line, Andrew Luck's healthy, like they're going to be better than they were. So I, I understand that he had an outlier touchdown season, but it feels like it's not that far out of the realm of possibilities for him. Like, if you were going to say who is a tight end that could repeat an outlier season out of the top three, top four, top five, I think he's as good an indication as any of of, of someone that could do that. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, People probably forget how much Andrew Luck loves to throw to his tight ends, especially inside the red zone. So, um, Ebron's definitely a guy that I'm watching. Um I just don't think he's going to be as expensive on draft day as we maybe think. I don't know. No, I, I think he'll push into the $20, $25 range. I, I don't know if he'll go a whole lot higher than that just because the tier that a lot of the analysts and experts and ADPs have him in have guys that I think are going to go in that range. Um but, uh, I mean, a keeper at five for him, worst-case scenario, I don't think it's all that bad. And, and the other thing with uh, that's going to depend on Ebron's drafted value is, and I think we're going to talk about this a little later, is what, what's being done at the tight end position in the offseason. Um, George Kittle, slam dunk to be kept by the Bull Weevils. But then you look at the Fleetwood franchise, who owns both Kelsey and Ertz. Um, if he were to keep both of them, I think that could vault the price of Ebron because he would be one of the top four tight ends available rather than one of the top five or six. Um, So if you can get some of that tight end money out of the way on Kelsey and Ertz in the draft, then, you know, there's less money to go around for guys like Ebron. But if those two players are kept, then, you know, 
there's four tight ends out there that people are looking to acquire mainly. And then, you know, after that, it's kind of, oh, we'll just go with the one to five dollars tight end range. So, yeah. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more <coughs> as we get into it about the tight end position. To me, it's Kelsey by far number one. Then it's Kittle in his own tier. And then it's a, a lot of really, really good players. Like I don't, I don't have Ertz in the same tier. I, I don't, I don't even think it's close as Kittle or Kelsey. In my personal opinion, I just think what he did last year and the the, the planets sort of aligned for Carson Wentz. The, the, those targets are going to get redistributed. He, he had a ridiculous target share. I just, I just don't see it happening yet. And but we'll we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go through team projections. Yeah, so right now um, I have Eva on seven in my initial tight end rankings. Um, right around guys like Jared Cook, Eric Ebron, OJ Howard, and Vance McDonald. But I think that's probably the tier that Ebron's in. Yeah, I I, I think I have him a little bit higher, but um, I, I I I do like those other guys, especially when we get later in the draft, throwing out some dollars. I I, I think there's a potential to get one of those guys for cheap single digits. Um, but you know, that, that's something we'll have to see. Yeah. So the other trade that happened yesterday, um, this I think is maybe the biggest one for one trade that we've seen in our league um, in terms of star power and a blockbuster deal being made. Pat Mahomes of the $1 variety gets moved from team ice cream to the clan and the clan sends back Melvin Gordon, whose keeper price for 2019 will be $30. Um, very interesting trade. This came right after the news of Melvin Gordon, um, basically saying he's going to pull his best L bell this year. And, uh, hopefully he doesn't take the L like L bell did, but, uh, I thought it was an interesting trade. I liked it for both sides. Um, but looking back on that trade too today, um, another one that may have been slightly premature. Well, I, I think this is the Le'Veon Bell effect, right? You saw, not not in our league, um, I mean, it obviously had effects, but the average ADP for Le'Veon Bell last year was either number one overall or number two overall, and there was – nobody else that was close in terms of rankings and Le'Veon Bell held, held out for the entire year. And if you held on to Le'Veon Bell, your season was, was pretty much shot drafting at that position. My season was pretty much shot, including some bad draft choices as well. And then you hear about another running back potentially holding out. And I understand why you want to just go running away from that type of situation. So on the day that the trade makes sense, I, I, I mean, I, 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 think it, I think it makes perfect sense. But I also would say we have time between now and when keepers are due to where I would have said, let's wait a second. Let's see what kind of stories leak out, whether or not the Chargers are going to extend an offer. I don't know if the Chargers have ever been in this type of situation before. If it was certain NFL teams – that have set precedent for this type of behavior before. I think that's a different story. The Chargers aren't one of those type of teams. They're in LA. They're 
a, a, a different type of situation where they want to hold on to star power. I personally think they're going to get something done and they're going to extend him, at least give him a multi-year contract because he has one year left on his deal. I wouldn't have hit the panic button this quickly. I think you could make the same trade two, three, four weeks from now after you have a chance to look at more news stories. But at the exact moment that the trade was made, I understand it. I think it was fair for both sides. I just personally would have held on to Melvin Gordon knowing that he is such a, an important asset and how this league values running backs and, and, and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, I was actually thinking the exact same thing about, you know, what's the Chargers' nature? Do, do they give their players contracts? Is this something that, you know, how, how do we think they're going to handle the situation? And I couldn't put my finger on it either um, because, like you said, they haven't really been in this. And they're, they're not the Steelers. They're not the Patriots, right? No, I can't they, think of players. They want a Drew view. They, they, they have a huge team in the Rams that are stealing a lot of the spotlight in L.A. They want to make a name for themselves. This might be a different situation. It is. And the other thing I don't think you talked about yet, their window is very small right now. I mean, they have an outstanding roster, mm-hmm. but their window is solely tied to their ability of their quarterback to lead them. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> Phil Rivers obviously going to play this year. After this year, I don't know. You know, what, what's the timeline on Phil Rivers' career like? Because their window seems very strictly married to his career path. So, Yep. Um, how about in terms of divisional realignment? Because I don't have it in front of me. I know I'm in Spears's division. How about how about Fegley? Is he in your division? Fegley's with me. Um, it was important for me to add him, Butler, and Micah to my division this year because I had never been in a division with those three guys. So, so that that stinks for me getting Melvin Gordon in my division. But hey, it is what it is. Not to mention Melvin Gordon paired with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that guy's pretty good. I mean, you're talking two of the highest usage rate guys in the league um, on teams that do try to run the ball inside the five-yard line. So, Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, where does this leave Fedley? So, Fedley, obviously – has Mahomes now at a dollar. Um, the other player on his team that he's probably looking to keep would be that of Tyreek Hill. Um, speaking of not having enough news, that's probably the guy that we're all waiting to hear from and see what the NFL does with him. Um, I'm trying to get Hill's cap number right now. Hill will be 21 this year, so Hill and Mahomes for a combined 22. That's awesome, assuming Hill's going to play. Even if he plays 12 games, I think that's awesome. Um, but who knows? What, what what else does he have as an option? Um, so he's got James White for $4, which would be interesting. No. Um, but, you know, White's one of those guys that you probably don't keep because he seems to be undervalued every year. Um. Calvin Ridley for two dollars. No. Yeah. So and then digs for forty-five, which I don't think is a key. Yeah. No. No, because you can throw him back in the draft and get him for that. So I I think it's a wait and see on Hill. 
Um, if Hill, if we, if we don't get any news over the next few weeks, I think you can assume some kind of a suspension for Hill. Probably, probably eight games based on just prior behavior and how the league has, has taken a stance for, for, for this type of thing. I, I thought, I, I thought eight as well. Um, yeah. What I hadn't heard was, and I was first keyed into this from a guy that I'm in another league with. Um, he said, well, didn't the NFL say that it wouldn't be more than four? Like, isn't that the report out? And I hadn't heard that, but um, I was listening to Sirius radio today and that was echoed by one of their fantasy analysts. So that news is apparently out there that, um, the expectation is that the suspension won't be more than four games, which surprises me, honestly. Yeah. I mean, Big Ben got six for something that he wasn't charged for. Um, all it takes is one video to, to kick him out of the league type thing. I, I would think it's going to be higher, but who, who, who knows? There There has been no consistency with any of these type of penalties. I think he's in a good position where he can just wait and see what he thinks is going to happen. But I would be worried about – I think Hill, I think Mahomes, they have had their best season possible last year. Moving forward, I would be heavily worried about some kind of regression. I I, I mean, I, I obviously love both players. I just don't think we're going to see the type of reduction that we saw last year moving forward out of either of those guys. Even with the suspension, all things considered, even if the suspension comes in lighter than what we think it might, it might be a a, a good idea to try and move off of them and just diversify some of that and not go into this thinking that the Chiefs offense is, again, going to be absolutely (laughs) spectacular, better than everything else in the league. Yes, obvious regression in play for the Chiefs this year. Um, I don't think we've ever seen a player throw back-to-back 50 touchdown seasons. Well, I don't think we've ever seen one. This is only the second time we've seen 50 touchdowns, right? Uh, Manning did it. Anybody else? I think it's just those two guys. Um, Yeah. But, say, Pat Mahomes throws 39 touchdowns this year. Like, you're not mad about that, so – you're not mad about it, but you're not keeping them for 39 touchdowns, right? Well, at a dollar, I mean, you know, I know you've gone back on what you said last year about Mahomes going for $50 in the draft, which I'm fine with. That's that's cool. But realistically, if this guy does go back into the draft, 25, 25 or 30. Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't seen those QB numbers since the first year we drafted, right? Um, maybe the second year still. Okay. But, but let, like, let's look at last year. Cause that's probably the best indication. What, what did the highest QB go for last year? 15? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I want to say it might've been you taking Russell Wilson. Um, yeah. I took, I took Wilson at 12. I think that might've been the highest that wasn't kept. So Stein kept Rogers for 25. You kept, you drafted Russell Wilson for 13 and 13. Um, yeah. Butler drafted Brady for 14. So that was the highest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then you got like Drew Brees for eight. 
Yeah. So that's yeah, kind of crazy to think about now. Yeah, that was all pretty bad. So, but I, I mean, it, it goes to show you that the position overall has been pretty average, right? I mean, nobody could have predicted Mahomes' season last year. Um, and moving forward, trying to say that he's going to be able to do what he did last year. Hell, if he throws for 50 touchdowns again, he's absolutely worth whatever price anybody's going to pay, and he's absolutely worth the trade value. But stats, prior years, Hill suspension says that <coughs> he's not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, I still like having a player of that production level at a dollar, even if he only throws 39, like you said, you're, you're not wanting to keep him for 39, but you're not going to argue about having 39 touchdowns from a $1 player. So, uh, no, absolutely. The one thing I think we failed to talk about in this opening segment is what does the Aaron Jones edition mean for Shane? It, it, it's huge for Shane, right? He, has never been able to nail the running back position coming out of the draft. Aaron Jones, I don't don't even know if he knows what he got with Aaron Jones, but the analytics on Aaron Jones are off the charts. I know Green Bay has not been able to sustain a number one running back. Even when Eddie Lacy was there, he had his good games, but over the longevity of the season, it was really hit or miss season to season whether Eddie Lacy was an RB1. I I mean, I, I, I'd love to pick up from Shane. It was exactly what he needed to do. He's going to go into the draft with an RB1. He's going to go into the draft with a wide receiver one. Great pickup for him. Um, really, really happy to see him finally pulling the trigger and understanding that, hey, the top 15 running backs are going to get kept. You need to get a piece of somebody. You can get a piece of uh, an RB20 that's going to be $1 and have upside for a top-tier RB1. You need to be able to do that, and he did it. So love the move for Shane. He absolutely needed to do it. So let's play a little would you rather. Um, Shane will have starting at – he'll start at 185 in draft cash. Um, take away a $1 Aaron Jones and a $35 Mike Evans. So that'll put him at 149 if our math's correct. Yep. And then you have me starting at 190 due to the trade, and I will have a $29 Gurley and a $6 Kamara, which will put me at 155 So a little more cash than Shane. But I know you're down on Gurley out of those four players. Who would you rather who start would you rather have? I mean, I hundred percent Kamara is hands down the best keeper in this league. At the the, the draft cash what was it, one fifty five? I would absolutely rather have your roster than Shane to this point, just because I think Kamara is that much better. It's it, it's going to be his prime. He's going to finish top tier RB1. He's going to finish as a top three running back. There is no doubt about it. He doesn't have an injury history. He has all the work workhorse capabilities in, um, in New Orleans. Latavius Murray is going to steal some touches, but probably not to the extent that Ingram did. I love Kamara. 
Gurley is a little bit of a dart throw, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But absolutely, give me the top-tier elite player with a similar draft cash over someone that has two good keepers. And, I yeah, I, I, I think you've got it. Okay. I think, I think right now I'm probably – third or fourth depending on your flavor in terms of best keeper combo um one and two are really close for me if, and it's all related to melvin gordon um if gordon is full go with the chargers and he's in i think gordon mccaffrey's the best combo second i would probably have chubb and david johnson with uh sure if that's the route that he wants to go and then third and fourth would be a toss-up between me and you, like I said, depending on what your flavor is. I would like mine better. I think you would like yours better, and the league could probably be split down the middle. So, Yeah, I don't – yeah, it, it, it's tough for me to say because I like Kavara so much as that elite one keeper, whereas I think I'm a little bit more balanced. I think Connor's going to finish as an RB1, probably middle tier, like – around the, 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 the 10 mark. I think Juju is going to be a, a breakout wide receiver one candidate, but running backs are more valued, right? So I think between the two of us, Kamara is so good. I think you get a little bit elevated in how I'm looking at this season, whereas I've got two two players that are, that are going to finish RB1, wide receiver one, but not that elite ceiling of RB one overall or wide receiver one overall. Yeah. Right now I have Kamara as RB two behind Zeke. I have Gurley yeah. at 11. I have Connor at 13, but I think I need to look at his touch percentage. I think he's probably inside the top 12 at least. Um, <clears throat> and then I have Juju as wide receiver two right now. So behind Michael Thomas. You, you you think Juju's number two overall? Yeah, behind I, Thomas. Yeah, I'm a wide receiver two to finish the season right now in my initial. Yeah, I I I, I think just Hopkins, Julio, those those are guys that I have ahead of him. But he he he's got a good chance. I mean, uh, I don't know if you listened to uh, some of the PFF podcasts, but they made the point of hey, these elite guys, at some point, they had to take over for the wide receiver one in those offenses, whether it was Julio taking over for Roddy White or, you know. Hopkins for Andre Johnson. Hopkins for Andre Johnson. Devontae Adams for Jordy Nelson. Exactly. Yeah. So Juju taking over for AB, it's a natural progression. And plus the fact that he's only, what, 22 years old? Um, he's thrown up stats at his age that Randy Moss has thrown up, and he's got a chance to to beat Randy Moss's pace at this point. We'll, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out, but I, I, I love having him on our roster. Yeah. I love having James Conner and getting the share of that backfield. We'll see how it shakes out. Totally not related, but um, I think this is a relevant topic and something that I'm thinking a lot about. So I have Juju in our Dynasty League um, that I'm in, and – um, been dangling him out there for deals a little bit this off season just to see what his value is. Are you at all concerned 
you know, maybe not gnarly because the cap on how long you can really keep guys may be limited to the $5 increases, but are you at all concerned about Juju two, three years down the line with the uncertainty of who could be throwing in footballs? Well, I mean, Big Ben just signed a, a new four-year deal, didn't he? Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's some concern there. It, it, it's going to be a lot of what happens this season and, and what he does with Big Ben. Like, if he doesn't break out into wide receiver one numbers of this season with Big Ben, then I'm absolutely concerned, right? Um, my – and I'll show my hand a little bit for my, my draft strategy this year is I'm playing for this year and I'm playing for the future in terms of the guys that I'm going to be targeting with my lower amounts for draft cash is – for the future. And I think there's a lot of running backs. There's a lot of wide receivers out there that are getting drafted as far as relative ADP outside of the top 50 that I'm going to be targeting for the future as my backup case in case Juju can't deliver top tier elite wide receiver one numbers with Big Ben this season, right? Like I'm, I'm going to be looking out for a lot of red flags this year with Juju because keeping a wide receiver, you need to know that he's going to produce elite wide receiver one numbers to keep a wide receiver. Like it, it does you no good to keep a, a, a wide receiver two in this league. Well, I mean, we'll see how it shakes out, but a lot of my strategy is going to be playing for the future and trying to get those value guys, especially at the running back position. You're trying to, they're going to fall in. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And and we all should be trying to do that. Yeah. I'm totally cognizant to the fact that my long-term success in this league has been tied to his ability to break out as a rookie and knowing that I have that for as long as it lasts. So I'm, I'm totally cognizant to that. Well, and being able to do that, like whether Gurley works out or not this season – Moving forward, the fact that you have Kamara is going to give you a huge advantage over everybody else, right? So everybody should be looking for the next Kamara. Everybody should be looking for that kind of value at the running back position, somebody that's going to be in a good situation moving forward for not only this year but but years to come. We should all be trying to get a piece of that. So if we're talking about keepers, it's probably as good a time as ever to start rolling in. Let's go through team by team. Um, I will give you – who I think they're going to keep because I think it's starting to shake out after those two trades. Um, and I'll give you some candidates maybe to overtake my guesses if you think that's a thing. So talked about my team with Kamara and Gurley. We talked about Shane with Evans and Aaron Jones. Talked about your team with Connor and Juju. Uh, let's go to the Fleetwood franchise. I think there's four candidates there. Um, and a fifth that's probably not being talked about, but I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with your comment of maybe you don't keep a wide receiver two, even though I think this guy is more a wide receiver one. Um, but Saquon Barkley for 75, on Johnson for 15, Travis Kelsey for 22 next year, and Ertz for 24. Um, yeah. And then the fifth guy I'm talking about would be uh, Robert Woods for $10. So I don't think he's really in play here. He may be if he was on a different team. Um, But what do you think about the keepers for the franchise? So 
obviously you, you <laughs> want to keep Saquon. You want to keep Kelsey. Those are the two elite players out of that bunch. But throwing Saquon into the draft, you got him at 74. Realistically, what's like, what is he going to go for? In my opinion, he is a distant RB4, RB4 overall compared to the Kamara's and the Zeke's of the world. And McCaffrey, those are the three of in front of him. And McCaffrey. I just don't think his situation got any better with the Giants. And you're losing OBJ, right? You you brought on Who wasn't around a lot last year anyway. Right, but you've got the potential of throwing Daniel Jones out there. Yeah. Right? And Gettleman is going to want to just put Daniel Jones onto the field at some point, whether whether or not it's the, the first game of the season, but at, at, at some point where Barkley is going to be running against nine guys in the box with Daniel Jones back there. So to me, it's he's an amazing player. He's awesome, but he's also going to be going up against a really difficult situation without OBJ. And to your point, he OBJ missed a lot of games. What is his realistic value if you throw him back into the draft? Is it is it eighty? Is it ninety? Is it a hundred? Um, Can you keep somebody else? I, think it's a, I guess that's my point. I think it's a ceiling of ninety. Um, <clears throat> and the only reason I say this is because you know you have a lot of money. Sure has a lot of money, um, and Papa Kaz has a lot of money right now. The way things stand, so. With all the three teams having significant cap room, um, that leads me to believe that his price would be significantly elevated from the seventy-five. So, yeah, and it could be. I know my price on him would probably be around the eighty, eighty-five mark, and then beyond that, I'm 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 done. But keeping a player at that value to me says. He's going to be RB one overall, and I just I just don't I just don't see it. You saw the difference that he was able to make in Ty's season, though, by having a player of that caliber get that basically got him to the playoffs. So that's the that's what kind of probably is wetting his appetite to want to keep him. I'm mm-hmm. on record with Ty saying I would keep Ertz and Kelsey for the combined. 46 and it goes back to what we opened the show with about how thin tight end is not only is he keeping two very high floor and high ceiling tight ends um he's also now hurting the rest of us because that's one less from a shallow pool um to pick from it gives you a competitive advantage every single week yep doing that and then Ertz in a flex spot probably also gives you a competitive advantage with the numbers he's been able to produce. Kind of agree with that methodology, but keeping Saquon at, at 74, to me, I just think you can get him. <clears throat> if, you, if you can get him at 85 in the draft, you throw him back for 74, you can get him for 85. I don't think it's that big of a hit. Yeah, no, you're probably right. And then the lurker here is on Johnson, not as sexy of a name. Uh, decent price tag, great price tag at $15 for somebody who I think is going to be a top 15 running back this year. Yeah. Yeah, no. 
I, I, I love carry on going into the season, especially at $15. And you also got to think about the competitive advantage you get by, hey, let, 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 let's say we throw Saquon back and somebody pays 100 bucks for him. That's $100 less than what you have to bid against. Yeah. To, to you know, moving forward for the players that you want, right? Yep. Um, ice cream, we talked about keeping McCaffrey and uh, Gordon. Abusement Park. So David Johnson for 14 and Chubb for a dollar with a 225 start is probably the leader in the clubhouse. Um, definitely would have to consider. Adam Thielen for five and possibly Kenny Galladay for one. Um, I don't think Devontae Freeman at 18 would be in this discussion. So, Yeah, a lot of good keepers on the team, right? Yeah. That's a good problem to have. You got to think David Johnson is is absolutely due. Um, You got to keep Chubb, of course, just because of the upside there. I know it's a little bit murky. To see what happens when Kareem Hunt comes back, but yeah, I, I think that's pretty set in stone that he's going to keep those two running back. Yeah, so Johnson and Chubb for fifteen dollars leaves him a two ten start um, <clears throat> and significant capital to add two big names around him. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean it's a good problem to have because nobody else can get those keepers, but I, I, I think it's pretty clear that you keep those two guys. Uh, Clan, Mahomes, and probably Tyreek Hill. I would say if Hill has an eight-game suspension, I would expect him to probably keep Calvin Ridley um, or maybe look to move and add someone. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think you gotta, you, you got to move because I think you can get Ridley pretty cheap in the draft. So if, if we see any game suspension from Hill, <coughs> I, I think he's going to pick up the phones trying to get somebody else. Right. And going back to what we just said about Schur's team, there's a lot of good candidates there. Yeah. Two more that I think are slam dunk situations, and then we'll get into the three murkiest situations in the league, I think. Um, Bull Weevils, we're talking George Kittle for a dollar and Ezekiel Elliott for 53. Yeah, Zeke's one of those players that – you throw him back, he's going to go for 85. He's going to go for 90, 95. Definitely think there's value there. And and that's kind of what I was saying with keeping Le'Veon Bell at 54 last year. It's a big price tag, but it's a, it, 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 it's a no-brainer. Like, we look at Barkley at 74, 75, or whatever he was, versus Zeke at this price. Yeah. I, 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 I think Zeke's a slam dunk. RB3 type in terms of being either one, two, or three in the league, you you, you, you got to keep him. Yep, and he'll be down 15. <clears throat> um, wait, yeah, he'll be down $15, I believe. So, yeah, that's not bad. Um, and then the curtain, um, Michael Thomas, obviously, is slam dunk at $18. And then... I believe he's going to keep – he's going to run it back with Dalvin Cook for 38 So, that will be those two guys for a $56 price tag. Yeah. So, who, who is that throwing back in the draft if he does that? Um, Mixon's a keeper candidate at 51 but I don't think that's great. Um, you know, you got Geist for a dollar, obviously not really a keeper. 
and then Chris Godwin, who is one of the sexier names out there right now for five, but it's it's pretty clearly Cook and um, Thomas on this team for the curve. Yeah, you got you, you got to think you're gonna mix in for close <clears throat> to fifty one if you throw him back, right? I think it's pretty <laughs> clear cut. You go Cook, you go Thomas. Thomas is a slam dunk wide receiver one, absolutely elite. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty clear. All right, I think this is the worst situation in the league. Um, but Butler sitting at 175, and he's got Hopkins for 45 and Fournette for 33. Other names to consider would be Tevin Coleman for 12 or Tariq Cohen for six. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's tough because I like Fournette. I like Hopkins, but that wait, that would that would what, what, that would leave him at one hundred and two dollars to draft, and we saw how difficult it was for Butler last year in a similar situation. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think you got to keep Hopkins and then take a flyer on one of those other guys, or try and make a move for for somebody else. I don't think you can keep two high priced guys like that. Um, he can't really make a move though because he doesn't have any draft cash to trade. He's sitting at one seventy five. Yeah. So he's kind of handcuffed. Yeah. Yeah. It is murky. I I, I don't know. What What do you think? Um, I I think he'll probably just run it back with Fournette and Hopkins. Yeah. But it's not great. Yeah, you got Fournette, Hopkins, and then nobody else because you have hundred and two. After all the positions have to get filled, what's your top bid going to be? Eighty bucks for a player. Yeah, you get one of those guys, and then you've got a very thin roster. Um, moving over to the Mad Dogs, we have Devonte Adams at fifteen, slam dunk. Um, and then he could run it back with Adams and Keenan Allen again. Uh, Keenan Allen would be thirty-seven. I feel like that's a little steep. Um, and then there's not much there. He was the $10 offer I had for Aaron Jones, and I think he probably needs to make a move. So, so he's, <clears throat> yeah, can, can you just go over those guys again? So it's uh, Keenan Allen at 37, Devontae Adams at 15, um, and that's really it. I mean, he could keep Hunter Henry for – I think he got him for a dollar. Yeah. Um, but he really needs to try to make a move. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it's Henry. Um, I mean, Allen at 37 is still a good price. Allen goes for probably 50 in the draft, but I just. Yeah, but going from 37 to, to 50, you know, it's not that big of a delta. It's not what you're looking for <clears> in the keeper. <throat> I think he would be a good candidate to go and talk to Sure and, and see what he can work out. Yeah. And then we got Papa Kaz. Um Sony Michelle for two dollars and Cooper Cup at nine are the leaders in the clubhouse right now. Um, I think he's probably looking to make a move though as well. There's there's nothing else really around those guys that I would consider. Yeah, I mean Michelle's outside of the top twenty running backs that that, that I've seen drafted. Cooper Cup's coming off of the ACL injury, right? Um, I think he's in a tough spot. He's got a lot of cash. 
He's got. I, I think he's got to be active on the phones and, and try and get somebody to upgrade his position. So I'm curious where you stand on Sony Michelle. So I know you just said have him outside the top 20. That's probably where he's going now. Um, but I just want to throw this out there to see if you're like a hard disagree or not. I think he's a candidate to be top five in touchdowns scored as a running back. Um, right now I have four tu- four running backs slated to score more than 10 touchdowns, and he's one of them. So On the ground, obviously. that There will be some, some running backs that combine for more than 10 on the ground and through the air, but – um, and obviously his passing is super lim- – pass catching is super limited. But I think right. if you and, had to and, make and a list what, of running, a... running backs that you think will score 10 touchdowns, I think he's got to be on that list. Yeah. You know, going into this season, I would have said that's not that crazy. But the fact that they drafted Damian Harris in the first round tells me there, there, there's something else going on there. Either it they was don't the, trust... third, the third round for him, I believe. Third round, sorry. That's all right. It was the wide receiver they took in the first round. Yeah, Harry, excuse me, Nikhil Harry. Yeah, um, yeah. I just you're gonna pay a, a, a day two pick on a running back. That just tells me it's it's gonna be a murky backfield for a dollar. It's worth a dart throw, but it's not something I would count on to save my season. Okay, I, I just think he's a great candidate to score double digit touchdowns. So, yeah, he, he could be. I mean, the, the, the pass catching ability that that limits him, right? When he's in the game, they you know they're either going to run it or they're going to play action to one of the wide receivers. <laughs> he's just not somebody that's the all purpose back, and not that New England's ever had that. I'm just not. I'm not high on him at all. They also have one of the weakest schedules. Again, obviously, they I feel like they do all the time. Um. So I'm kind of thinking we may see him flash super early. I think their first eight games, they only play one team that was a playoff team last season. CFC East, baby. Yeah. So that's that's kind of nice to know. There's a little bit of safety there in that. So. All right. Um, this draft, I think, upcoming in our league on Labor Day, I think it's going to have the most star power available in this draft. Um, a lot of the guys that are top players are getting recycled back every year because the price tags are so high every year now because they haven't been kept. Um, so we keep adding more players into that pool every year. It's making the draft more exciting. Um, should be a good running back crop available in the draft. If I look at you know, the top running backs that I have on my list right now. Um, Saquon could be thrown back. Lev Bell will be available. Damian Williams will be available. Um, we expect on Johnson, Joe Mixon, Freeman, Mark Ingram, you know, Philip Lindsay, Derrick Henry, Marlon Mack, uh, James White. Like, there's, there's a pretty good running back crop, better than we've seen in drafts in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens 
with Saquon and with Le'Veon specifically, because Le'Veon's not going to get kept. He's a workhorse guy. <clears throat> Jess paid a lot of money for him, but we really don't know what it's going to look like when he's not behind the Steelers' offensive line. So you factor those running backs in with, I think, the league coming to the realization that they need to, you know, we need to start building around running backs with our team. And then on top of that, you have guys like Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Odell Beckham, Keenan Allen possibly being available, Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton. Like, there are some heavy hitters out there wide receiver-wise as well. So this draft is going to be – um, quick hitting and very expensive, I believe. Yeah. So, what 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 does the cash outlook look like for all these teams? Um, I don't have it readily available. I think there will be three or four guys in the low to low to mid twos, and um, maybe even high one nineties. I think a majority of the league will be sitting in that 140 to 160 sweet spot. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to be in that higher range. It'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. You've got a couple of the heavy star power names that are going to be thrown out there early. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what those high power names go for. And if the, $200 stacks go after each other and bid each other up. If they don't, then it could be really interesting for the guys that are at 140 and below. Yeah, because essentially the three of you at the top, um, you, Sharon, and my dad, you're one player away from coming back to the pack. So that, that breathing room kind of guarantees you one huge household name that maybe we all can't afford. And, right. then, and then the draft starts once you guys spend that money. So yeah, if, if if we choose to do that and allocate that to an elite running back or wide receiver, right? I mean, if Le'Veon Bell goes for $65, it's a different story. I'm if he goes that. for – yeah, if he goes for 80 if he goes for $90, I'm it, it, I mean, it, it, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right, anything else you want to talk about? Anything you want to touch on with Gurley? What do you want to know? What do you think Henderson goes for? What do I think Henderson goes for? Um, <clears throat> it's going to obviously depend on when he gets thrown out. But Let's assume he gets thrown out early. If he gets thrown out. I'm, I'm going to throw him out early. If he gets thrown out early, I think his price tag will be higher than if he gets thrown out late. Um and I would say he's in the $30 max. He's not going to go for 30 He's going for way higher than that. That's, I mean, we'll have seen, we'll, we will have seen him through a full preseason at that point. We may have some more growing news, so that may change. I just, right now he's a seventh round pick. So, um, yeah, so, seventh round ADP. Right. Yep. You got to factor in it's a keeper league. Yep. Um, and you got to factor in one of those three guys or th- four guys that are around the two hundred mark. Not falling in love with them. I I personally think he's going to go for forty five. Is more of the price point. 
knowing that right away you're going to be able to slot him in at least as a as a flex one with upside of being much higher in that offense. Um, I just don't I, see I, guys I, willing to take that risk early when there's valuable elite talent on the board. I don't see people willing to take that risk and throw $40, $45 out there for a player who you think may be a flex one. But week one may come. He may have two catches for 25 yards and six carries for 18 yards and not score. And you're sitting there like, what did I do? You know, like there, there is a very good possibility that week one comes. And even if Gurley goes 15 carries for 60 yards, he could score twice. So that's, yeah, that, that's where I'm I mean, at. I think, I think it's more of your, you're, you're betting on the future of the, the, the Rams offensive running back position. And even though Gurley might do that early and be touchdown dependent early, that's not necessarily how it's going to play out throughout the season. And I, 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 I just think McVay learned a valuable lesson last year in terms of front-loading his, his running backs. It's going to be much more of a split backfield moving forward. And do you want the younger player in that backfield, the guy who has, you know, he averaged nine yards a carry at, where did he go to? Toledo? Memphis. He played against wherever it was. like Toledo. Yeah. So Toledo doesn't play do, in the NFC West. Do you want the, the, the long-term upside, or do you want the, the guy that, you know, we saw in the playoffs last year? I just don't think our league also has has been one to keep, like you're saying, you're basically making the case for him. You want to get him so you have the right ability to keep him next year. Um, say he's okay this year, you know. Say he's, mm-hmm. I don't know, let's put him on a caliber of like a Deion Lewis type player. Like, I've never seen someone in our league keep someone for that price tag without seeing physical proof of them being a top five player at their position. We also haven't had that type of backfield being open for negotiating. Yeah. Right? Like, we, we haven't had that offense being a split carry ever before. I mean, all I'm saying is it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out throughout the season. And you've got some high stack players such as myself that at $30, it's a no brainer for me to do a dart throw at 35. I also think it's a no brainer. I'm probably in even higher than that. And we'll just see how it goes. But is it a no, say you're 12th to throw. Is it a no brainer for you? If, You've already gotten Le'Veon Bell for $60 and you get OBJ for 70 and now you're staring $80 down the barrel with then you have to fill your team up. Is it is it still yeah. a no-brainer? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any team that's going to be able to get both of those guys. And, and, and I'm certainly not targeting both of those guys. Well, it, I'm it, not it, saying it, both those guys. I'm saying two players of that caliber. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, 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 to, to me, it's just absolutely worth a dart. It's 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 worth a dart throw because it's the you're you're betting on the future of the team, right? And we know that there are running backs and wide receivers that we can grab off the waiver wire. So it's, do you want to spend the money 
on the upside and potential of somebody like that in that system? Or do you want to spend your money on somebody who might be a more concrete wide receiver too? Because at, at, at $35, that's, that, that's what it is, right? You're, you're, you're getting a low end wide receiver one, probably for 55, 60 at 35, you can afford it, our throw. Hell, I did Josh Gordon last year at 30, right? It's all about the risk that you want to take. And for me, I'll bet on the good offense. I'll bet on the split carries. I'll bet on all the signs that the Rams have shown throughout the offseason to say that, hey, Gurley's not going to be the workhorse that he ever was before, and I'll be happy with that risk. I I I I hear you, and I think Henderson's going to be great. I think he's going to be really good, but I still think Gurley can be super productive at 225 carries. So he can't. He he can be super productive with a a, a lower workload. We just you know we haven't seen evidence of it. No, we have not of the course of a full season, but we've seen games where he only touches the ball 18 times. And he puts up 30-point games. The other risk is, and one of the reasons going against bidding up Henderson would be, are the teams going to get a blueprint for what the Rams did in the Super Bowl where they put up, what, three points and be able to to start stopping that team and and stopping the offense? You know, we'll we'll see how how that plays out. If they can, if teams can scheme up like Belichick can, we may see that. Or just throw out the same scheme that he did, because that, I mean that that was flat out like they they were they, they were dead. They were dead. But they you're also there. you're assuming then that McVeigh doesn't look at any tape in the offseason and learn how to attack that. I mean, it, 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 it's a fair point, but. I mean, how long is he going to be the, the, the smartest guy in the league, especially after the performance we just saw? No, I don't think I don't think that's what I'm saying. I think I'm saying that with the reputation he has as a play caller, he should be able to learn how to beat that. I would be willing to bet a lot of money on that. So, Yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the film's out there on it, right? Everybody saw – Here's how you sew down the offense. I mean, we'll, we'll see what teams do with that and if they're able to adapt and, and change it from what they did in the Super Bowl. And having cut back and healthy would help too because there were a lot of throws to Josh Reynolds in that game that just didn't work out because Josh Reynolds is not Cooper Cup. So, yeah. I mean, and we'll see if Cup can come back from an ACL injury and, yeah. Be ready to go. I don't expect Cup to be a stud this year, but um, with Cooks and Woods, he doesn't necessarily have to be amazing. He just has to be out there and show the ability to to cause problems. Yeah, which Reynolds couldn't do. So no. So that's where I'm at on Gurley. I think two twenty to two forty touches on the ground. Um. Less usage through the air in the past, but I still expect he's on my short list of ten plus touchdown guys. So, yeah, I mean, he he could get there. Um, 
we'll just see how it plays out. I think they matched Malcolm Brown for a reason. I think they traded up for Henderson for a reason. And well, that Henderson, reason being Henderson's the upside guy. Brown's the insurance policy. You know, Henderson carries value individually. Brown's the handcuff for Gurley. Um, Brown's trusted in that offense. He's been there for several years. He's probably better, going to be better in pass pro than um, Henderson, I would imagine. Um, yeah. So when you factor all of that in, I think that's why they kept Brown because he's just he's an insurance policy. Yeah, I'm just saying that the, the signs aren't great, right? It's it's not. No, it does. It's not it doesn't, give it doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. Doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. I know that. Yeah. So I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I'm sure you're going to be heavy, heavy bidding on Henderson. I know. I sure as hell would be if I was a girly owner. I've never been. You have have to pay for it. I've never been a huge handcuff guy, though. And like I said, even if I was, I think Brown's the handcuff to girly. There's no way Henderson carries that load by himself this year. There's no way. I don't. I don't think. I'm not suggesting that he is. I'm just suggesting. So I don't think Henderson is as valuable to me as girly insurance as maybe getting Malcolm Brown would be. I mean, Henderson would be a great player to add, but I'm not paying that price that you're talking about. So, yeah, I I think you you can get Malcolm Brown probably for a dollar or two mm-hmm. at the draft, and you're gonna have to pay for Henderson if you want to get some longevity out of that backfield. And if you don't want to pay it, you're 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 not gonna get it. Yeah, which is fine. I'll I'm I'll roll the dice. Now, I mean, re- realistically, from your perspective, we're saying for let's say it's forty dollars. For forty dollars, you can own the Rams' backfield and see how it shakes out, and know that you have that for the long term. I don't know if I would keep a forty dollar. I don't. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to think about it. It would have to be. I don't have any other options to keep. So. But you don't know how it's going to play out. No, I don't. But I'm not. I don't know if, I'm, like you said, it's a risk. I don't know if I'm willing to take that gamble. People love. And, people love the running back they drafted last year, John Kelly. They, they were like, "Oh, this guy is a monster." If Gurley ever goes down, he he was awful. You know. Yeah. We all think it, Henderson's going to be really good, but there's a, there's a non-zero chance that he's not. Yeah, I mean, it's true. My, just my whole point is, you're a Rams fan. You love Gurley. If you want to own that backfield, you're going to have to pay for it, and that's the challenge of a split carry type situation. And that's what you're signing up for by keeping Gurley. You're, you're signing up for a split carry situation. There's a zero chance that Gurley comes back to the usage that he's ever done before so what you're banking on is say a 60 percent 70 percent of his carries that he had before best case can i make it work without owning the other piece of the backfield yeah i i think i'll be fine i'm not sweating it 
plenty, plenty of guys out there. Yeah, yeah, there are. So that's my piece on Todd Gurley. I don't expect to ever talk about it again the rest of the year. All right, yeah, I'm bringing it up. Well, I, I only bring it up now because when the season starts, I'm not going to be the guy that twists the knife and, and, and says, I told you so. You No, you not definitely gonna... will be. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You're definitely that guy. I'm, I'm the guy at the draft that's going to bid Henderson up. But uh, once the season starts and Gurley's splitting carries with them, I'm not going to say, like, hey, I told you so. I'm just giving you the heads up that – based on everything that I've seen, everything that I've read, what the Rams have done activity-wise says it's going to be a 50-50 split. I don't think I'm disagreeing with you. I, I don't I don't think it's a 50-50 split. I think it's more like 50-30-20. So that's, that's where I'm at, I guess. Yeah. Well, even at a 50% carry split, I, th- I think it's a little risky to keep somebody at that price point. If they, if that team hasn't shown, hadn't shown in the past their commitment to Gurley inside the 10 and his ability to score touchdowns, I would agree with you. If this was the Dolphins, I'm not signing up for it. I'm good. I'm good with Gurley getting. 200 to 225 touches because I think he's still going to be really productive that way. I think he does more than that, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, the the commitment that they've shown to Gurley is, hey, we're not going to let your backup walk and we're drafting a guy on day two of the draft. That's the commitment they've shown to Gurley. The Rams have come out and said, hey, we're not worried about the arthritis. We're not worried about whatever the hell that playoff run was where C.J. Anderson took over everything, but their actions are saying something completely different. They paid Gurley, though. I mean, they they have a, they have a commitment to him as well. So we've talked enough yeah. about it. We're not going to see eye to eye on it. I feel like we're saying the same thing, but I don't know. I feel like we're saying the same thing, but – yeah, I, I I think we are, but, and you're saying that at a 50% workload, you're you're fine keeping them, and I'm saying at a 50% workload, I think it's best case, and I'm not okay keeping them. Well, we will see who has the better season this year out of you and I. And it's just a shame that we're not in the same division. Gives us a better chance of meeting in the finals. Yep. All right. That's enough for tonight. Hopefully next time we'll be able to get Shane on with us. Maybe we'll get Eddie to drop in on a couple this year as well. Um, you got anything else? I think we're good. No, I mean, I'll, I'll just say I think <clears throat> this has been um... – a really competitive league, and I think I'll, you know, ten out of the twelve teams are really well positioned for the draft, and the other two have an opportunity to get into a better position before the draft. I think I think it's evened out. I I, I think teams are, are valuing positions the right way. I think we're looking at keepers the right way. Um, and it's just super competitive. 
So it's a, it's a fun league to be a part of, and I, I think everybody's doing a really good job. New draft venue for this year, so we'll see if that changes the uh, juju in the room at all. I I can't wait for the draft. It, it's oh god, especially if those two hundred dollar stacks don't bid up those elite wide receiver ones and RB ones early. It's going to be really interesting. You going to do that this year? You going to actually spend your money? Well, I, I got too much of it not to spend. <laughs> Last year, I came in as a short stack. Yes, that's it, true. This year, it's a completely different story where I'm going to be able to bid people up. We'll see. It's going to be fun. I want to see how many different people you can anger this year since that seems to be your go-to. I've got I've got seven targets as uh, high-priced elite players, and we'll we'll just see how that works out. Nice. Is Josh Gordon one of them? <laughs> he would be a $1 flyer. What about Doug Caldwell? Yeah, you know, I think he retired. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So, all things considered, when uh, you think about my draft last year, Le'Veon Bell not playing, Doug Baldwin, Josh Gordon being my highest paid players, I, I made out pretty well. You did a great job selling so eight it, or nine. Great job. Yeah. So it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see what I can do with some money. I'm sure you will not disappoint. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. Well, thanks for hopping on with me late notice this evening. I'm glad we were able to get one in. Um, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, hopefully with a third member. So thanks, Phil. Yeah. Uh, thanks All right. For, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Red Triangle Sports Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. I'm your host and commish and three-time champion, the Denver Desert Dog, and I will talk to you all soon.